Yeah, he falls into a cave, Julia's favorite thing. Oh my God, um, there's so much cave in this movie, Jesus. I was like, oh no, they're back in the cave. I'm so, so terrified of caves. I know, I love it. It's beautiful. Honestly, I was happy again to sit with you to watch this movie because I was like, I, I cannot believe this. And we got to hold hands during this moment where I was like, oh no, Julia, they're in a cave. I'm so sorry. Uh -huh. There's, you know, stalagmites, stalactites, the whole thing. Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide, Disco Citizens, the podcast where gore hounds and best friends, Terry Gamble and Julia Marchesi, break down a different horror movie each week, exploring a multitude of genres, subgenres, and sub-subgenres, classic and cult, international and underground flicks alike, determining which films are the goriest, and offering up Horror Movie Survival Guide tips to, to help, help you, you stay alive. Hey, welcome Disco Citizens. Julia, this is such a weird movie. I cannot wait to get into this this week with you. <laughs> yes, hello. I am Julia. This is Horror Movie Survival Guide. We are talking about 1982's Lee Tong, The City of Green Specters. Till Death Do Us Part is the title of this episode. This movie was written by Susie Baker, Scott Baker, Pat... Patrick Grenier, Jean-Claude Romer, and Jean-Claude Maki, who is also the director and the star. So he's doing it all. And this Jean-Pierre Maki has made uh, incredible amounts of movies, both as an actor and as a director. So a big legend in France, uh, someone that I sadly had never heard of before. Now, that's surprising this is, to me. Yeah. And he also looks like Holbrook. Like he has this like yeah. very like... It, like he's like the 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 Parisian doppelganger, so to speak, you know, of this yeah, guy. It's pretty of great. Hal Holbrook, yeah it's, yeah, it's kind of a crazy thing. Well, this is the lovely thing about film is that you can dive forever, right? Here's a director I I've never heard of that has made eighty plus films that I could go down the rabbit hole if I wanted. That's what I love about film. So. This is the last movie that's in our folk horror round that we've done in honor of summer. And this one was listed on many uh, lists online that I looked at to see folk horror, where do we go? And this one, a lot of people really talked about the atmosphere uh, and I, it sounded really intriguing. So here we are. So this movie kind of blew me away because I it it feels to me like the feeling of watching a racer head where I just feel really unsettled and uncomfortable the whole time. And I don't really know why, because things are strange, but they aren't so strange. But there's something about the way this movie is shot. Like, I just feel itchy and weird. This whole movie. everything is off, Julia, like not a single frame. Is there a waste? Do you know what I mean? There's something in the frame that makes you be like, I don't know about this place. I started watching this movie alone. I will let the, the listeners, viewers, whatever know. Like I uh, started it and then I was like, nope. I started it too late at night and I was by myself at my house and I was like, nope.com. I waited and I'm so grateful I did. I waited till Julia could come over and watch it with me. I got I'm so glad. I'm so we glad to watch it together because this was both of us are like, what the fuck? This whole it was so light outside, movie. thank God, because I was like, I can't watch this one at the dark. I don't know. There's something about it that just is like really, really uncomfortable, and it's brilliant. Yeah, and <laughs> and and it really is. In the first minute, you will feel that way, and I feel like there's so few movies I can think of where immediately I feel uncomfortable. Literally, just watched less than two minutes when I first tried to watch it, Julia. Like literally, I was like, nope, I'm good. I'm gonna have to watch this in the morning, another day, another time like I noped out real quick um also it just has that vibe of like I am a big circus nerd for those who don't know um, my best friend is a circus artist and I'm on the board of his company uh, called short round productions and so um he studied in Montreal at the natural circus school so the vibe of the opening with the music and all that stuff I was like oh this is some weird French shit where it's like very very yeah. strange and like artsy and I was like mm -mm. 
uh-uh, this is about to get real creepy. And they have that incessant, like, it feels like that incessant, like, um, modern circus music behind the mm-hmm. whole movie, too. So it's giving you that the, the vibes are all there. It's all it's very vibey from the very beginning of creepy vibey. And it's great. Yeah. I think if you took kind of a little bit of Jodorowsky and a little bit of Lynch and kind of smushed them together, you would get this movie, which sounds delightful. And it is delightful. So uh, this takes place in Litan, a village. And this is the night where they have a festival where it's basically like a Dios de los Muertos kind of thing where they are all celebrating the dead. So you have constantly running throughout this film are people in black capes and skull masks that are just lurking throughout the movie and it's so it's like it's taking place on halloween you know kind of adjacent as like we would say but it was only only on the skirt outskirts right like what if you set a movie on halloween but you don't really talk about halloween at all and this is kind of what this is is it's about the festival but not really so i was it's like a is story it that happens it feels during like the a festival it's like a story that happens during the festival but that's not about the festival necessarily yes. yes and there was a lot of argento kind of feeling in this as well where you have this woman who from the beginning is very disoriented uh this is nora played uh, by marie jose Nat, and then jacques who was played by jean pierre maquis yes she was given very argento lead vibes this woman and so very that she's very powerful she's got those dark kind of brooding eyes and you know wide-eyed wondering what's happening and she you can't tell what's happening at the beginning maybe it does feel very disorienting where there's like a tightrope walker and a band literally a band like you know a marching band style band with like creepy like they look like Mr. Roboto masks, you know. Domo Mr. Roboto. Heck Domo. yeah, sticks. Give me those Domo. sticks, baby. Um, I remember listening to that song with my dad in the car, and we listened to the whole fucking thing. And we get to the end, and they're like, I'm Kilroy. And my dad was like, what the fuck? And I was like, I don't know, dad. I don't know what it means. And he was so confused. We're all confused. Thank you, Sticks. I appreciate it. But it's great. But it's got that avant-garde vibe, kind of similar to that, where you're like, what the fuck is happening? And it gives you that as well here uh, from this 1982 moment. Um, There's like a coffin going down river rapids. There's all this stuff happening. And then we realize that maybe it was a dream that Nora's having. Was it a beautiful dream or a terrible nightmare? Um, It reminds me of the beginning of Demons where we start with a dream and then you're like oh is this the movie is this what she this is foreshadowing what this whole movie will be which it turns out to be in both cases but this Mm -hmm. is and and again something where i think in demons he doesn't really talk about that but here here she keeps saying like i've seen this i know what's going to happen next so this is very important it's that deja vu thing that you have too you're like did i have deja vu did i i've already seen this like i feel like I know what the next part of the story, but I don't really know, but I can feel it. It's got that kind of vibe too. Mm -hmm. So it it keeps you very much on your toes. And she wakes up and there's like a little picture of her and her husband, um, Jack. Um, And it has a little inscription that says like, till death do us part, Jack and Nora. So Jacques, Jacques, excuse me, Jacques. I know I'm reading Jack because I'm American, um, but Jacques and Nora. It's uh, literally J-O-C-K. Yeah, like Jacques. Like a Jacques. But I think it's Jacques. (laughs) That's, I mean, of course and and even then our french is not doing anybody any favors are that little nod of like why <laughs> your montreal french is amazing that's all i can do Quebecois. the last time i went to paris i took french in high school i got i was so happy because i understood the cashier's joke and i was like i'm good i feel like i've i've that's all i need to do you've ascended yes yes because I, I was a guy working in a subway station. And I asked him how his day was. And he like, in the most French way, shrugged. He's like, I'm working. 
And I was like, yeah, okay, we got it. <laughs> I see you, sir. Uh, so she is frantically looking for a husband. His, his, her husband is a director? geologist. Geologist. Yeah. He's a geologist and he's, you know, working on some sort of project. That's what's brought them here to Litton. So this is not where they're normally from. So they're, they've been here working on this thing for a while. So she's looking for him frantically. She can't find him. So she calls um, the Geological Society and looking for him. Um, yeah. But there's also like a bunch of stuff happening around her because we talked about before. It's Litton's day where there's like all this stuff happening around them with all these uh, marching band walking by her. It's very misty, this whole movie, too. There's a lot yes. of fog machine. <laughs> fog machine shout out to whoever works the fog machine in this movie because you were doing overtime it looks hazy i like it uh so one of these the we also have this boy scout troop we should mention we i think we have before but like you have to say like we're, we're we're trying to describe a plot that's very nebulous because this movie is dreamlike so it doesn't kind of go in the order you think it will i feel so like i'm describing a dream literally i'm like okay then yeah. the boy scouts showed up but i was waiting at the bus stop for my um to go find my husband but while i was waiting at the bus stop a guy gets in the bus driver gets in the bus to drive the bus but he looks like he can't see like a blind man but i can't tell if he's actually a blind man or a ghost or a real human yeah and that guy is going to smush a dude against the wall because we think he's blind we're not really sure who is that guy? We don't know. Maybe he'll come back around later. So the Boy Scouts are up climbing around. They have there's a monster that they're looking for. This is their their goal for the day. They have to find the monster and slay it. Uh, so they they're doing something with dynamite. Also, the dynamite is involved in this movie. Uh, they we know that it is there, ticking away in this mountains this whole time. They're going to blow up whatever they're blowing up. They don't really describe it. It's fine. It doesn't really matter. Uh, no, but one it of the, sure doesn't. So one of the boys, uh, one of the Boy Scouts, a little boy, uh, falls from the the rock and looks dead. Yeah, he falls into a cave. Julia's favorite thing. Oh, my God. Um, there was so much cave in this movie. Jesus. I was like, oh, no, they're back in the cave. I'm so, so terrified of caves. I know. I love it. It's beautiful. Honestly, I was happy again to sit with you to watch this movie because I was like, I, I cannot believe this. And we got to hold hands during this moment where I was like, oh, no, Julia, they're in a cave. I'm so sorry. Uh -huh. There's, you know, stalagmites, stalactites, the whole thing, um, you know, and it looks like the kid is definitely dead. It looks like he maybe like landed on one of those things and got punctured or something. But miraculously, he's not dead, but he does seem like days like um either he's got like a concussion or something like that he can't really speak so it's like he either had some sort of brain injury something happened to him when he's there um because he's not really coming quite to um so they want to rush him um to the doctors but um Nora in the meantime is still trying to look for Jacques up on this mountain um because it's getting kind of dangerous um she finds another man up there this guy Boar who's actually the father of this of the boy who fell and so um, they end up taking them to the scariest hospital I've ever seen in cinema. Or no, yeah. not the scariest, but one of them. It's up there. I think yeah, session it, nine. And then yeah, I think about session nine and this and Jacob's ladder is really, really mm -hmm. terrifying hospital. Mm -hmm. So this is one where it, it's super terrifying and he doesn't have a heartbeat. So this, this is very unclear. Like this becomes like a, a movie where they're trying to figure out what's going on with these people. And I'm never quite clear how it spreads. And I'm not quite clear what the deal is and it's it's very unclear well it could uh, be something in the water because down in the cave there is like some still water kind of standing down oh, there oh the blue worm things I and forgot there's about yeah those. yeah and it looks like i this is the thing that the only thing that makes me remember that it's 1982 and not 1968 because this movie feels like it's from the 60s but it was it's from 82 um these things look like tron like yeah. as far as like the electric energy the colors and like the kind of like laser um but there's like these also reminded me of when i went to new zealand and went to the glowworm cave the, in Waitamo. Oh my god. 
when we went, my parent, all my family wanted to go. And I sat in the car the whole time because like, I'm like bugs and caves are my two worst fears. Fuck. No. So, so I sat sad you didn't go. I literally cried and had the most magical experience for my birthday going into that cave. It is fucking unbelievable. There's also amazing acoustics and there's a, a spot for you to sing if anybody wants to sing um, because the acoustics are like people have recorded down in there. It's absolutely stunning. But there's also those creepy worms that are all blue looking like the effervescence looks blue um, from the glow worms. Um, and so um, absolutely st stunning. But these glow worms are not like the ones in Waitamo. These things pop up and look like they're sucking your soul or something <laughs> when they, they come to get you and they devour you, you like acid. <laughs> Uh, and can devour a body real, real quick. If yeah, they it's fall like in. Uh, it's like putting a piece of cotton candy into water, like just that kind of fast yep, dissolve. It's gone. Uh, mm -hmm. So then we get our poor boy who is still catatonic, put in this awful clockwork orangey looking device chair where they're just strapping him in. And well done to this actor because he does not blink. He is like fully catatonic. Fully yeah. catatonic. Um, and so even I was like, Julia, why'd the doctor put the um, stethoscope or whatever or some meter he had on himself on himself? And she's like to check the heartbeat to make sure it's working because so he could see his own heartbeat. But then when he put it against the kid, it was there was no heartbeat. So I was like, oh, shit. OK, so this yeah. kid is like dead alive, basically. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This looks and I feared this was going to be like an essence of podling kind of scene where they're just going to like suck his brains out. But they're just trying to get, figure out what's happening. Uh, but he has no breath and the whole bit. So uh, they actually Jacques seals. So now they're in this uh, this whole time. Jacques and Nora are trying to find each other and when they do find each other. Because they Jacques split is, the party when we yelled at the screen. Right. I'm sorry. When they were like, he was like, you go here. I go here. I was like, no. And she had even told him Bor had tried to like accost her like she was like just recently almost attacked up on the hill. There's a lot that's already gone on that. I feel like we've even skipped because the movie's just so packed so densely with with things happening. But it's just like when she tells you when the woman tells you she's uncomfortable and scared, please <laughs> do not send her alone on a task. But he, he insists that she'll be OK and that it's all in her mind. Yeah, he keeps saying, don't worry like this. Don't worry like this. And I it's infuriating worry um, like this nora worry like this it is bad <laughs> yes you should all is going wrong so then uh it ends up there's a the, in the hospital there's a big room with all these sheets that are all bloody boar ends up dead there's, there's blood spray there's a cop who comes in who looks like a cartoon version of a cop just like these huge ham hands and he looks like he should be in a comic book. He's he's amazing. And he it feels like I'm all of a sudden in Pink Panther or like a Poirot, yeah. you know, kind of situation where he feels like that guy also reminded me a little more gento, like the crystal plumage, like mm -hmm. the um the 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 detectives in that film. Mm -hmm. Where where those those characters in in these kind of I mean, this does it's not giallo, but like those this in in those kind of movies. They always bother me because they always feel superfluous. I'm just like, I don't care about that character. I don't care about that plot. I don't need the cops to be involved. Just like, let's get away. Like, it doesn't. Well, they don't seem superfluous. I think it's brilliant because, as as somebody who you know, whatever we feel about cops, it always is interesting to see them be like so. They think they're above everybody else and holier than thou, and it just adds that layer of like, we don't believe you, lady. And he's the like the last one to finally, you know, ultimately finally see the mm -hmm. truth. Maybe later on, once these uh, creatures are turning against him. Um, and so I think that's what they prove is just like, even if you think the government can save you, you think the military can save you, you think the police can save you, 
they're not going to help you for these supernatural uh, issues that we are dealing with, right? So yes, this is horror movie survival guide tip: is you always have to do it on your own. That's don't trust the you, cops. Don't trust anybody. Like yeah. you know, is you have to, you have to do it on your own. As as final girls know well, you have to slay so, your own demons. Yep. Now, mm-hmm. in the midst of all this chaos, they remember, hey there's some dynamite back up at those rocks that we probably should go uh, disarm. And so we, they run back to the, the rocks where of course, one of the boy scouts is like, Hey, what's this? And they able to throw it out of his hands moments before it explodes, causing the nearby circus tightrope walker to fall from his tightrope. And not just that, the thing is the dynamite was very near where they have this very strange cemetery in Leton. For whatever reason, they can they don't bury people in the ground. It's kind of like if you go to New Orleans where you have because of the swamp situation, you have to bury like above grounds. These people actually are buried in lead coffins Mm. um, up in these rocks up on the hill. And so the detonation actually shakes one of the the cemetery that is up there. um, And all of a sudden, a bunch of the coffins break loose. Right. And that's up where Nora is up there because she had followed Jacques up this hill while he was going to disarm um, the detonation because Boer is dead and was not able to go help. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, they yeah. find one of the coffins has some bloody claw marks inside. You're like, no, that's not Which good. Which means someone could try to try to claw out. Right. Mm-hmm. This is like why we have those bell ringing. Right. Uh, that's fucking horrifying. So yeah. now we have the commissioner, the cop following Anina and Jacques because they think that they, he, they killed Boar, which they didn't. Uh, but now they're back inside of the cave. And then somebody eat, gets eaten again by these blue worms, which I am never clear on. There's no explanation for these worms. We don't know what they are. And well, I go, okay. Also, once someone dies this way, if you if the next person who looks in their eyes sees someone, they usually see whoever is like supposed to die next kind of a thing, too. So it felt kind of reminded me of the ring in that way, too, where you're like, if you see the thing, it's like all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, like you have a no, moment. you're. Me. Yeah, it's it's next. And so um we also get like running through like this like um uh factory where we saw some glimpses of earlier that's like I think it's like a textile like factory of some sort. Um and so they run through this factory and that's where you know you see the guy you know go through the vat um and like disintegrate as well too. And so there's you see you've seen these bodies now that are like, you know, kind of piling up. Um, and they steal a motorcycle now. And now we're on a motorcycle chase. What? <laughs> yeah, there's it's, it's this movie all over the place. We have, you know, they they at one point are floating down a water rapids in a coffin, smushed up, snuggling together, which looks very cozy, I might add. Honestly, I thought I would yeah. get in one with you, you know. Well, because yeah. it's kind of like a nook, right? Like you have this like little space that's just for you and you put the lid on, you go, ah, a little nook. I love nooks. So <laughs> I've never thought of it that way. But the, in, in some ways, a coffin is a nook. <laughs> so uh, yeah. as so far as yeah, and the police and mm-hmm. end up getting caught by the police eventually. Yeah, and the are police taken, are following them yeah, this whole time. So this is part of the chase. Mm-hmm. So uh, they are taken to jail, but Jacques knocks out the cop and Nora escapes uh, and ends up running through this horrible house of horrors with this constant circus music we talked about earlier which just makes everything creepier i think like you can have you know jail is great because it has this like rock like goblin score which is so fucking cool uh but then i feel like if you go in creepy vibes circus is one of those things like in the moment is very joyous but when taken out of context becomes very uncomfortable 
creepy clown music, basically. It's like, you know, that that kind of soundtrack, right? Um, following you. Um, and, um, you know, they keep cutting to, you know, the masked band that's playing along, that's adding that soundtrack to it. So it's like, oh, you're at the festival. That's why this music is continuous. And they're a part of that background. Um, as they're going through, though, too, um, and running around, there's also this little girl, Natasha, um, who, um, I don't know why I had her on here. This is literally dreamlike notes. <laughs> well, then let's uh, let's talk about that. It starts to turn into the purge for a bit where people are oh, just yeah. starting to go kind of crazy and do whatever they want because it's this lawless night. So I was like, ah, somebody could have uh, watched the watch this and then made the purge. I see that feeling in there. Uh, so it's this basically like this movie is this nonstop Jacques and Nora being chased. So I think it's one of those things where I think like that's a very common dream to feel like you're being chased like your entire time in your dream and you can't get away from it. So that's what this feels like. And there ends up being uh, these thugs in pig masks who start becoming a problem and they end up, the commissioner ends up getting killed on this thing that looks like a Dalek, except it's all swords sticking out. Like think where it's going in these ways. I'm like, I don't, who are these people? What is happening? This guy's also, dead. Okay. The, the bus driver they realized was like actually dead. So I was like, Oh, he was technically kind of like a zombie. Um, and they um, realized like, Oh, that's what's happening in this town is these people are actually kind of like the walking dead. And that's mm -hmm. why there was nail prints in the coffin. It's not that that person was alive. That person was actually dead, but, um, um, they have the appearance of, of livelihood. Um, and so that guy wasn't actually blind. He was just dead. That's why he didn't know how to drive anymore and couldn't remember his route because it sounds, it reminded me a little bit too of like um, uh, Romero's, you know, Living Dead, um, you know, talking about the group thing from his book and stuff too, um, you know, where the people all of a sudden you're a part of the horde, but they, they talk about the peacefulness of like, mm -hmm. if you join this space, it's actually really nice. Like I wouldn't, I want all of you to be here. And so the dead kind of want other people to die with them, which is partly why they smush people as well too. Yeah. Because they actually do get the boy who is the first one we had seen who'd been afflicted like this. Uh, they get him to talk and they ask him what it's like to be dead. Uh, he says alone floating can feel the other dead, but can't talk. There's nothing just waiting. And we want to see the living die. Uh, and that's that's all there is. And you go, okay, because the, the, when they die, they join them. And I guess every every new member brings more joy to it, which is, uh, sounds nice. And you also, um, if you're in the body because you jump and habit like someone else's body, basically, you get to share all their memories. So the, the person that's in the little boy's body, we find out was actually trying to have an affair with uh, someone else who was alive. Was an, So he's a man in this little boy's body. He's like, I actually have the memories now of this child. I know everything that's happened for him. And like, that's kind of like, you know, enveloped into the horde and kind of into, you know, what happens when you die. It's like all the dust, the stardust of our lives, you know, mm -hmm. and the, the molecules that we all share together. Um, and so it sounds beautiful, but also terrifying of just like, oh, all these dead people just want us dead with them. Okay. Which is, uh, you know, when you think about it in a zombie kind of way, kind of interesting that it isn't just about, I want to eat your guts, I want to eat your brains, but like, I want you to be here with us. Like, come join us. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so a, a whole more uh, cluster fuck happens. You know, there are madmen running wild, Jacques and Nora barely escaping here and there, people getting pushed in waters and dissolved. It's all kind of a, a, a dreamlike mash. Uh, th then there were back in these caves, these famed caves that I lo love so much, uh, now into the water. But now, now we have uh, Eric the kid who is in church, uh, but it's full of dead people and uh now he is in her eye 
and they want to sleep and dream. And I don't know what, I don't really know what happened. Oh my gosh. Well, there was a thing where, oh yeah, sleep and dream. Well, what happened is they, they, they floated down the like river thing. The little boy basically gets free. That's the child who's, uh, has a man in his body now <laughs> or the the horde mentality in his brain and he um comes to try to um take out Jack and Nora basically too um but um he uh ends up getting killed by Jack um in or killed again um and pushed into the water um and uh that's so all I really have to, to do to having to die twice in a day sounds rough man you know, really does. Uh, so this movie was, as we said, incredibly beautifully atmospheric and deeply unsettling. And I'm excited to do some gore factor with you. Please warm me up. One is not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two is a puddle of blood. Three is enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four is a bath of a blood. Five is run for the barf bag. We give this movie a three. There's a bit of blood in it. People's throats get slit, but it's not overwhelming. I and think a Dalek looking kind of death. Oh, yeah. Where impalement and then uh, all those bloody sheets and stuff, too. There's a little bit. There's a good enough. And there's also just enough weird stuff that's kind of unsettling between like all the masked people and then the strangeness of the hospital. It just looks like it reminds me of when I was in the Czech Republic and like there was actually a restaurant that was like down in a cave kind of situation where mm-hmm. it's like these old, you know, like old monastery kind of a thing. And it's just kind of creeping there. I was like, this looks like they just repurposed some old like, you know, um, crumbling buildings to shoot this thing um, in in the strange, strange parts of Europe. And mm-hmm. it's terrifying because mm-hmm. uh, you just don't know what's going on in there. And it's probably freezing and awful. And um, we even had, you know, um, just kind of that asp- atmospheric thing of like a Fellini film where like, yeah. you know, there's just extras doing weird shit like in the background. There's a lot of that within the hospital that was really, really unsettling. Um, ratings, chainsaws, one if you're desperate, two barely qualifies as a horror film, three seen worse, seen better, four not too shabby, five fantastic oracle. I give us a four. It's not too shabby. Obviously, it was enough for me to turn the freaking thing off and wait for Julia to watch it with me, mm-hmm. um, you know, from the first two minutes. Um, it's one of those ones that's very unsettling. You can't quite put your finger on why uh, towards the beginning. But I think it's just because um, it really sets you off kilter and puts you in that dreamlike state where you don't know what's real and mm-hmm. you really question reality and what life and death means. And I think that's kind of the point of the film is really questioning I mean, literally, it's like about death, you know, and what does that really mean for us to to die? I gave it a three and a half. I really enjoyed it. It was very uh, disturbing. And I love that about it. And, you know, when we we've meant we've compared it in this episode to uh, Fellini and Argento and Jodorowsky and Lynch. So if that combination sounds good to you, this movie is for you. And it should sound good to you because that sounds like a delicious combination to me. Uh, yeah, a bunch of creepy weirdos, and we love them. Yeah, <laughs> creepy weirdos. Uh, and if you love us, creepy weirdos, uh, you can give us a rating on any of the uh, uh, you know podcast platform that you particularly enjoy and listen to us on. We appreciate that. You can also check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, all over the internet. It's for you. Um, you can also um, get some merch at our Teespring store or check us out on our Patreon and support us uh, independently uh, produced uh, podcast uh, at Patreon slash Horror Movie Survive Guide. We appreciate all your help, love, support and if you have any other suggestions other folk horror i know some people have been on the internet telling us what other things they've been into um once we you know talked about some of our other other films that we've covered this last month let us know more there's if there's another genre you think we're like fully missing that you're like obsessed with i love that we love going down a new rabbit hole give it to us tell us what you want we like to please 
We give it to us, Daddy. We'll give it to you. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everyone. You are awesome. I hope you have your week is splendiferous. Oh, splendiferous to you too, baby. Bye. Thank you for listening. Horror Movie Survival Guide is independently produced by Terry Gamble, Julia Marchesi, and Sierra Ryan. Hey, that's me. If you would like to support the show, find us on patreon.com slash horrormoviesurvivalguide.